That song is called Highlands. It's my new favorite. It just grows on me. Man, so much scripture and meaning in that song. It snuck up on me, but now it's here to stay. Uh, I love when the worship team puts that in there. I'm so grateful for them, and I'm so grateful for you. And I, I'm excited to be back up here preaching a message to you from our series called Hashtag Blessed, Finding Clarity and the Good Life in the Words of Jesus. We've been walking through Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and today's message is called Hashtag That's Good. Hashtag That's Good. Would you pray with me and we'll get into it here right now. Dear God, we're just so thankful for your love for us and that no matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing watching this, that you love us as we are, that you call us to something greater, that you want to give us more than we could have asked for or thought to imagine, that you are a good God who loves us unconditionally and just sitting in that and, uh, and thinking about the work you have done through the cross and the empty grave to accomplish that for us is filling our hearts with gratitude. As we jump into your word, I, I know that there's some people that need encouragement. There's some people that are confused and just need clarity. Some people that need to grow. They're stuck. What you know, our hearts, you know what we need. Would you just do your thing through your spirit in our lives this morning? We're here to say we're willing to let you do it. In Jesus' name, amen. You're willing to let God do something in you? Man, we're in this series called Blessed, and this message is called That's Good. You ever notice how the, the good stuff's always jammed in the middle, like a, like a cream-filled donut, like a Bavarian chocolate, I don't know, whatever, Boston cream donut. The good stuff is often stuck in the middle. And uh, this Sermon on the Mount, I'm just going to read it to you. Um, the section we're going to talk about, we're going to be looking at two passages, Matthew chapter 7 and verses 7 through 12, but we're also going to jump to a story um, in Mark chapter 10, the very end of that chapter, one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And uh, before we get going, we're just going to read this. If you've got a Bible, pull it out. If you want to just listen to me, that's cool. But this is the part of the Sermon of the Mount that we're talking about today. It says this, Jesus says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. That's a pretty big verse right there. He, he goes on to say in verse 8, For everyone, it's not just anyone, it's not just somebody, it's not just the churchy people, it's not just those wearing a tie this morning, it's not just everybody wearing a cool yellow hoodie this morning. It says, for everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I'm going to spend some time working hard. Not to, not to water down the words of Jesus this morning. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Somebody circle that in your Bible. How much 
more. Even if you're a good dad, circle that. How much more? Your grandparent who spoils the grandkids every day, circle that. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And then this verse at the end, I love it, just, just to tie it all together here. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. That's good. I mean, that's real good. I have a question for you to start it off. It's, it's a dangerous question. You ready for this? The, the question is this. What do you want? That's a dangerous question. I mean, just look at the person you're sitting next to watching this. Just think about asking that question. You go home and ask that question to your significant other, to your spouse, to the person you love most in the world. Maybe things aren't going real great. Think about asking it to somebody when things aren't going so great. What, what do you want? That's a dangerous question. It's a dangerous question if you think about asking that to your kids, right? Like, what do you want? It's... It's a dangerous question. It can open the table to a whole lot of different things and options. It's a dangerous question, too. What do you want? It's a question I hesitated to put into the message today. What do you want? Because it's one that you can get in trouble with in church. What do you want? Well, it's, it's not supposed to be about what I want, Josh. Well, what do you want? It's, it's churches, this isn't some kind of prosperity gospel thing where you sign up, get your Jesus card, drop some money in the offering box on your way in or way out of a service or hit it up online and then God blesses you tenfold of what you gave. It's not, it's not about that. I know it's not about that. What do you want? You see, I think we got a lot of trouble with that question. It's why it's a dangerous question and maybe we know it deep down in our souls, but if I stopped and paused and just said, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want in life? I'm not talking about answering it like our kids answer, like I want some nerds or some fruity pebbles in the morning. Like, what do you, what do you really want? It's a, it's a dangerous question. And I wonder if you paused and pulled out a piece of paper and wrote some things down, I wonder what you would put down. My guess is there's probably things that you would want to put down on that piece of paper that you wouldn't put down on that piece of paper because you don't think you deserve the big and good things you want, so you'd shoot for something small. My guess is some of you would be afraid of disappointment. You'd be afraid, like, what if, what if, what if God doesn't do it for me? So you'd maybe write something small that you could do for yourself or that a small God could do for you. What do you want? It's a dangerous question, and it's one that almost feels even scarier in church. And preaching it, I'm well aware that there are those people who will claim and come, come and say, like, hey, this isn't prosperity gospel thing, man, you're off 
the rails, what do you want? It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about just getting what I want out of life. Jesus isn't just some sort of like, like vending machine in life where we hit the right buttons and we get all the good stuff. And if we hit the wrong buttons or we don't have enough change, we get all the, the wrong stuff. That's not what it's about. And I know that's not what it's about. But it's still a question that Jesus asks. I find this story so interesting in the book of Mark. I've spent so much time thinking about this and studying this passage. It's the story of this guy, his name is Bartimaeus, and he's blind. And it tells his story in verse 46 of chapter 10. It says this, it says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging as was his station in life. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. There was so much in the way of blind Bartimaeus experiencing the more that Jesus had for him. Now, maybe you don't believe Jesus has more for you. When you hear verses like, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, you think, well, I don't know God's definition of full and my definition of full. Maybe they're different. Maybe that's not what he's talking about. Maybe you don't think that, there's, that, that the best is yet to come for you. Maybe you don't think that God wants to do something big in your life, that he can do more than you ever thought of imagining, more than you thought of asking for. Uh, maybe you believe in a small God who's well kept in this nice little box that you put on the shelf and pull out Sunday morning just to get you through the week. Maybe you don't believe that God has something more for you but this blind Bartimaeus had heard some stories about this Jesus. He, he had been sitting on this curb likely begging every day just for enough money to get by, to get nutrition, to feed himself, to survive. Nothing much to, to gain, nothing much to have, just getting by as a blind man in a culture that would have discarded him. And here he is on this curb, listening as people come up and down the street, telling stories of this Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus who had healed some people, this Jesus who had healed some lepers, this Jesus who had made the blind to see, this Jesus who was doing miraculous things, this Jesus who was setting people free from demonic bondage, this Jesus who was, who was doing the, the unthinkable for people, this Jesus. There was something different about this Jesus as he heard the stories of lives changed. And this name Jesus in the middle of each of those stories. And I wonder what we rob from people when we hide our story. I don't know. I don't wonder. I know. 
I know what we rob from people when we don't let our story, the story of how Jesus set us free, the story of how Jesus has, has, has healed us, the story of how Jesus has fixed our relationships, the story of how Jesus has done a new thing in us, the stories of how Jesus has set us free from shame and guilt, the stories of how Jesus has set us on this new course of grace. I know what we steal from people when we hide our stories. We steal hope. Thank God the stories got around to blind Bartimaeus. I wonder who the blind people are in your life whose transition to the more God has for them will start when they hear the story of how Jesus rescued you. How Jesus gave you hope in the middle of despair. How he gave you peace in the middle of grief. I wonder. Bartimaeus, he's hearing the stories and he's sitting there. So when Jesus comes in this crowd and he realizes, though he cannot see, he realizes because he hears that this one he had heard some stories about, some amazing stories about, man, I wish you'd tell your stories, some amazing stories about. He, he connects all the pieces and he realizes that his moment is happening now. It's right now, this is the moment Jesus is coming down his street and there's a large crowd. There's a lot in his way. One, he can't see. <laughs> Two, he was relegated to his station in life on the curb begging. Relegated to just sitting there playing his role and his place in life. And so there he sits. He sits there, right? And he's begging for food. And, and, and the, the other thing that, that's in the way, because there's a lot in the way. He's, his blindness is in the way. His, his relegated to his circumstances, his status in life, his stature in life, it's in the way. And there's a whole lot of people in the way as the crowd comes down, everybody trying to catch a piece of Jesus. But he decides at this moment, it's his moment. So he shouts out. He shouts out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and they tell him to shut up and be quiet. Just sit there, man. This isn't about you. Just sit there on the curb. Just play your part. Just fill your seat. Just stay in your circumstances. You're stuck there. Nothing's going to change. Relationships aren't going to get better. You're going to be having the same conversation next week, tomorrow. Nothing's, he's got nothing for you. Don't be bothering Jesus looking for money or a handout. You just sit there and be quiet and know your place. He continues to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They rebuke him even stronger, likely cursing at him. It's amazing the lengths we will go to keep people from experiencing the more God has for them because we don't think they qualify because they're not as important as we are. We want to keep them relegated to their circumstances but here he keeps calling out and then Jesus hears him and calls him. And I love this next part, right? Like there's a lot in the way and maybe you have a lot in your way. Maybe, maybe you're blind. Oh, I'm not, I'm not talking physically blind. Just maybe spiritually blind. 
Maybe there are so many distractions in your life that keep you from seeing what's most important. Maybe you're too busy seeing everything at work and missing what's at home. Maybe you're too busy seeing everything you want to see and do for yourself and you're missing that a life given away is so much fuller than a life bent on selfishness. Maybe you have so many distractions in life because you spend so much time listening to everybody else shout their opinions and pitch their stories and share their theories and all that happens to you as you listen to all of the arguments and everything that's wrong in the world and everything that they're doing to get us and hurt us and keep us down. Like you listen to it and your heart's just filled with anger. It's a distraction that's blinding you from what's most important. Maybe, maybe there's a lot in your way when it comes to experiencing all that Jesus has for you. Maybe it's the, the blindness, but maybe it's not the blindness, the blindness, right? Like we don't even see ourselves right. Like we don't need it. We're blind to the fact that, that we need God, that we're not good gods of our lives, that we need Jesus, I don't know. Or maybe the, the, what's, what's in your way is you just feel like you're relegated to your circumstances in life because of insecurity or fear or guilt or shame. After all, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve God's love. You did all that stuff. You made all those mistakes. You can't get it right. You keep screwing up. You don't. You're relegated to this space in life because you don't know enough, or you did some messed up stuff, or you don't have all of it together. You don't know all the things you need to know, and so you feel like you're just stuck here because you don't deserve more. You couldn't have more. You're relegated to the curb, and Jesus passes by every Sunday, every time online, 9.30 and 10.30 or 9 and 10.30. Oh, I don't remember even what the service times are this summer. He passes by every day, but you sit there thinking, this isn't for me. It can't be for me. I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. My circumstances in life will never change. This is all I'm going to have. This is all I'm going to get. I don't deserve more. <laughs> it's not true. Maybe what's in your way are people. It's amazing how you try to grow or get ahead or change or better yourself or do something different and opposition will always pop up. People will be quick to point out the negatives, why you shouldn't do this or why you shouldn't do that or why change is impossible, why you should save your energy, why you shouldn't go to church, why this Jesus thing is crazy. You should, people will always jump up and keep you down. Maybe you got one of those things in the way of the more that Jesus has for you. This guy in his desperation shouts out. He would not be silenced because he couldn't see the full picture. He would not be silenced because everyone else said he should be relegated to his circumstance in life and just sit there on the curb and take it like a man. He would not be quiet 
when they shouted him down, when they pointed out the negative, when they would push him down, when they would say he didn't deserve it, when they would say he wasn't good enough for Jesus, he would not shut up. And his cries stopped Jesus because Jesus cares about you no matter what curb you're stuck on. No matter what insecurities and fears or shame have you trapped. No matter what category or label people will stick on you. No matter how blind you are to the good he has for you. He stops in this moment. He says, call him. I love this. Jesus stops for you. He stops for you. He's stopping right now for you. He is moving heaven and earth. He's whispering in your ear. He's banging loud gongs all to get your attention and show you that he is so much more. The guy... The guy's response is awesome and epic. He drops his cloak. This was all he had. The cloak was what you kept warm with. It was, it was more than just a jacket. It was security. It was their most valuable possession. It might have been his only actual possession. It was necessary for his survival in the cool temps of the de- desert climate. This, he just throws everything off. He's blind. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to find it again or if somebody's going to steal it. All that mattered was that he wanted more, and Jesus stopped to give it to him. He throws off his cloak and leaves it there. He jumps up, running around, a blind guy can't see. Like, this is quite the scene and quite the response. And I wonder if we miss out because we hold on to what we think keeps us secure. We grip so tightly the things we're afraid to lose, the relationships we're afraid to lose, the friends we're afraid to lose, the, the comfort we're afraid to lose, the paycheck we're afraid to lose, the, we hold so tightly onto it and we miss out. He doesn't sit on the curb when Jesus stops just waiting for something to change. Maybe you sit on that chair you're at right now waiting for something to change. You want to see Faith expressed, get off the couch, man. Get out of the chair in church and start serving. You want to experience the more God has for you? Join a group of people like that are on the same journey searching for more right alongside you. He gets up, he throws down. He's not afraid of losing his jacket. He's not afraid of what it's going to cost him. All he knows is this is his moment, and what if this is your moment too? He goes up to Jesus, and Jesus asks him this question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want Isn't it obvious, Jesus? The guy can't see. I wonder how many people are like baffled by that question. They're like, really? That's the question? Like, did you not just see this? Do you not? Like, you're the God of the universe, the Messiah. You don't see that he's blind? It's like when my kids, like, I ask them, I know what they want. But there's something special when they acknowledge it. And he could have said, I want a cane, a walker, a new cloak, that one I left on the 
on the curb back there it stunk. That's why I dropped it fast. Like, I just want to get around a little better or I want more money. That's what I'm tired of begging. I could be a blind guy at home with more money. What do you want? And too often our answers are too small. I want to have a better week. I want a, a boss to notice me. I want. We don't ask big enough from a big God. What do you want? It's a dangerous question. And people get nervous because, well, what if God doesn't do it? Isn't that, isn't that setting people up for failure? What if, what if they want something big and God doesn't show up? Then please know that what you wanted is not what you need. God has more for you and his better is bigger than you could have imagined or asked for. So if you ask big from a big God, he will not disappoint if you're seeking him. You may not get what you want, but he'll give you something better. I think that's why Jesus was like, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. I think that's why Jesus takes this moment as he's talking to a bunch of religious people. As he had just turned their religion upside down and he said, listen, you don't get it. This way, my way, is different than religion. Life with me is better. You need me. He's, he's talking to these religious people who felt like God was somebody they had to visit at the temple. God was something they could only approach with a sacrifice or a burnt offering. And he says, that's not who God is at all. You can ask him anything. Seek him and you'll find him. All you got to do is knock, and the door is going to be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives the one who seeks. And here's why, because as good or as bad of a parent or friend you are, as good or as bad of a person you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how generous you are, God is always better. And just like you want to give something good to someone you love, Man, God wants to do so much more than even the best that we can think of giving to each other. And so right here in the middle of this thing, he takes a bunch of people who thought that God was not approachable. They thought God was unconcerned. They thought they were too small for this big God. A bunch of people who thought God was distant or far off. He takes a bunch of people and he says, that's not who God is at all. This God is approachable. He's good. And he loves more. Do you know who that, that's who God is? Maybe you're still thinking God's unapproachable or unconcerned or distant. God is a good God. He's approachable no matter who you are, no matter what life is like. And he loves you more than anyone 
could love. He's not a God you can need to hide from anymore. You don't have to hide from Him. You don't have to run from Him. He is the God you can run to. And so Jesus says, here's the takeaway. Just ask Him. Just be in continual conversation. Telling God what you need and what you want and asking Him for it. Just continue to seek Him no matter where. I, I love that this is all your senses, right? Ask. Like verbalize it. If you don't know what you want and you haven't written it down or you haven't spoken it out loud to God, you need to do that. Stop hiding and trying to pretend like it isn't real. There's something that becomes real about it when you write it down or you say it out loud. You think it in your head and you're okay with that, but man, you put yourself out there when you ask it. I love that it's used in our sights, our vision. What are you looking for? You, if you're looking for God, you will find everything you need. If you keep searching for him, you will find him in the smallest nook and crannies of your life and then knock, like put some legs to it. Get your arms involved. It's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Ask, seek, and knock. That's the takeaways. What do you want me to do for you? And that's why I called this message, That's Good. It's because you have a God who loves you and who has more for you and wants to do more for you than you ever could have imagined. Stop being blinded by all the distractions. You're not relegated to that curb anymore. God has more for you than you thought to imagine. You, you don't have to listen to all the negative voices in your life pushing you down. Just listen for the voice of Jesus and you will find something so beautiful and so good. And Psalm 34.10 says, we'll end with this. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And that's so good. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. Man, for loving us. May we be like blind Bartimaeus, not be lost in the blindness relegated to our circumstance in life. May we not be listening to the voices of those who would label us and shout us down and keep us on the curb of life when you have so much more. Would we not be hindered by the cloak we have on our back or the fear of losing things? Would we trust that you can do so much more in our lives? We want to follow you to it. And we know sometimes we ask the wrong things and we're thankful when you don't give us the wrong things even though we want them. We're thankful that you always give us what we need when we need it at the right time in your time because, man, no matter how good we are at loving others, you always love us more. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.